Good morning and welcome to the Robin Report. I'm your host, Elliot Robin, so get ready to get triggered. Welcome to the Robin Report. I'm your host, Elliot Robin. As you might have heard in our intro, uh, kind of a rough start, but it's okay. Uh, and with me, I have my expert panel as usual, Marshall, Adam, and Daniel. How are you guys? We good. I'm doing you? great. Good. I'm doing fantastic. Awesome. So, now before we get to our, uh, our main story, I just want to celebrate the fact that this episode marks our 10th week on air. Yay! Happy anniversary, guys. Happy anniversary. So, uh, I want to... Lots of good memories and triggers. Yeah. Trigger moments. Exactly. We've done great for each other. (laughs) Done great things. Here's to many more uh, more episodes. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So, uh, I want to say... I want to say thank you to everyone who's supported us along the way and tuned in, tuned in whether on spiritlive.ca or Facebook Live. Thank you to you guys for always having great discussions on the show and triggering people. <laughs> and uh, thank you to my parents who believed in me and this show. So now we can go to our main story. Actually, did you not want to discuss one particular thing in a more local issue? With, I, uh, I was going to save it for the yeah. end, but oh, okay, cool. I was yeah, going to save it for the end, but if you guys want to start with that. I mean, it's a little brief, so we can just uh, get it out of the park. Okay, so, uh, okay, so. Actually, bas- I think we should save it for the end. Yeah, we'll that's, that's end. what I was thinking. We'll save it for the, we'll end. It for the end. So, today, once again, we've changed our scheduled topic at the last minute. We had planned to discuss abortion since it was uh, postponed last week. However, we felt that the recent death of Fidel Castro could spawn a very heated discussion, perhaps even triggering. (laughs) Now, I personally did not know much about Fidel before the announcement of his death. Now I know the very minimal information necessary to facilitate the discussion, but luckily you guys do, which is why we have this show. So let's begin with the first question. It's a a fact-based question. Who was Fidel Castro in one sentence? Marshall, you have to go ahead. Yeah, in one sentence, um, Fidel Castro was the tyrannical communist (laughs) dictator of Cuba for 57 years. Adam? Um, Okay, for the record, for the rest of this uh, show, uh, most of you know I'm the left-winged... commentator on the on the air um, for the rest of the show for the purpose of my point I would like to recognize now that Fidel Castro did have his faults he did have um, issues he was very repressive towards journalists um, his prison population was predominantly black it was predominantly um, there were a lot of members of the gay population in prison uh, he had his own he was very tyrannical he was very he did have his own aspects of fear-mongering but for the purpose of my points throughout the rest of the show, I'm not going to mention um, the bad side of Fidel Castro. Marshall 
and Elliot and even uh, Daniel can take care of that, but I would like to talk about the good in Fidel Castro. So, mm. for me... <laughs> just, just to have some... Uh, yeah. Just to get a good discussion. Just to get a discussion going. Yeah, everyone's got to play devil's advocate, but mm-hmm. even necessarily... Yeah. this. For me, Fidel Castro was a cigar aficionado, uh, people uniting, um, anti-capitalist uh, leader. He was the, the comandante. He was the... So... He was the leader of Cuba. Just yeah, just the one sentence because I wanted to yeah, yeah, yeah. to make an actual like a full discussion. Yeah. So just uh, Daniel, one sentence. Who um, was Fidel? Fidel Castro was is Fidel. wherever will be the most important uh, political figure of the Cuban state, um, and with a promising beginning uh, from the uprising with the revolution from the government, and. Yeah, and there's even more problems that have trickled down from the past 50 years and stuff like that. Fighting for the people and stuff like that. Unfortunately, his fight, may could say, would be not as effective. And it was just not... What he what he set to do in the beginning is not what happened in the end. That's mm-hmm. it. That's all I want to say about that. Makes sense. So, now we'll get into uh, a more specific part about Fidel Castro... Uh, which is going to get really heated. What were his greatest accomplishments and his greatest issues and problems that arose? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start off, um, I think, to, to, I suppose, defend Fidel in a, in a way. Uh, I think taking out Batiste, uh, removing Batiste from the, uh, from the government of Cuba, yeah, no, that that can be certainly considered a good thing. Um, I think there was a lot of issues in Cuba that uh, that Fidel helped to remedy. I suppose he did, as Adam said, unite the people, and he did achieve some some good things. He certainly brought Cuba um, ahead in many ways, uh, from from where it was at least. Uh, as far as accomplishments go, that's all. That's where I'm going to stop for them from there. All right, uh, Adam, Daniel, you guys want to chime in? Um, for me, Fidel Castro, again, as I said, anti-capitalist. He managed to uh, to fend off uh, American um, intervention in terms of in their economy and in their in their land for the fifty what nine years you said he was. I think it's fifty-seven. Fifty-seven years he was in power. A really long time. Too a long. very very long time. Um, he managed to um, to dodge uh, the Clinton administration's effort with wet foot dry foot. He raised liter- the literacy rate in Cuba from something in the sixties percent to the ninety fifth or sixth percentile by closing schools for two years and having. Older children teach younger children how to read. He, um, he was able to uh, support his people by not... Like, he was able to, to sort of have a self-sustaining island. Uh, imports to Cuba were low, other than, like, that he would try to grow anything he could on the island before importing. He nationalized companies. He did oust Batiste, as uh, Marshall mentioned. And I think his biggest accomplishment was giving the middle finger to the U.S. Um, Cuba, proximity-wise, is very close to America. 80 kilometers, I think, from Miami? 80 kilometers from 80, Miami. 80, 90 kilometers, yeah. Something, something like that. Something like that. And he, was, he basically did not allow the U.S. to, to intervene. 
he, you know, this small little sugar producing island, and sugar is their main export, this small little sugar producing island managed to scare the hell out of Americans and out of the U.S. government that, you know, it'll spread communism, the, the, the wave of communism will, uh, will hit America. One fault that I would like to mention, and this kind of counteracts my previous statement, one fault I would like to mention was that he did not create a communist island. And for, for most of us, we think of Cuba as the communist place, but Karl Marx himself understood that communism, the best production, the best producer of money and capital is capitalism. And Karl Marx himself understood that you, you need to transition from capitalism into socialism into communism to have a two cr true communist nation, because if you share zero, it's still zero amongst people. Cuba was, is a very poor place. They have not had uh, production of, of cars since the 50s. Food is rationed amongst people. Milk is rationed amongst people. And um, it wasn't truly communist, and it wasn't as, you know, as, you know, red as people thought it might be. It is, I think, the closest we can get to communism, in a sense. But other than that, I don't think he succeeded, by my standards, in terms of communism. I would just like to put a correction on the record of myself. It, it wasn't Batiste who was in power before Castro, it was Batista. Batiste is a dry shampoo. <laughs> <laughs> The question is, would the dry shampoo would would the dry shampoo have done a better job? I think it definitely would have increased the economy by fifty seven percent exactly. And I, yeah. I saw. Uh, I'll have I to fact check that. I saw Batiste yeah. here, but I thought you know you were up higher in knowledge, so Batiste was a shorter form. So I kind of went with it. I was wrong. Apologize. In terms of like, we had this conversation before in the same way of. Donald Trump versus Hillary Clinton and how like I really don't like Donald Trump and stuff like that now I'm like whatever about Donald Trump but in terms of everything that I've from the knowledge that was poured into me like even as a little kid from about Fidel Castro, Fidel Castro like me being Latino and everything like I have like a, other people who like the most important thing like about like Fidel Castro's greatest accomplishments is the fact that he overthrew another government he was, he's a revolutionary and that's very very important to you can't um not, you can't underplay the, those facts and stuff like that. But, um, and I've seen, like, there are positive things about Cuba and stuff like that. Um, how, like, there's, there's, their healthcare system is incredibly, like, um, advanced for a developing country like that. And the only problem is, like, we see is, like, well, communism just, we've seen that communism as, this form of communism in the Cuban island was not successful. I I personally don't believe that. I personally believe that, that this type of government was not successful in a certain fact. It's like, like, we can, like, analyze it here from our perspective here in Canada and stuff like that, but if you look at the perspective of Cubans and people who used to live in Cuba and stuff like that, they have a completely different view of Castro. We're, I, I know I've seen a couple of pictures on, like, Metro and stuff like that, saying, like, oh, long live Fidel Castro, let him die, rest in peace, and stuff like that. People who have been able to leave the country and like able to go to the U.S. or here in Canada, oh, yeah, they, hate, they hate, Castro. hate Castro, and they have more than enough yeah. reasons to I hate him and stuff like itself. that. <laughs> so just yeah, the anti-Cuban uh, lobby in Miami is just ridiculous. It's no, but like in terms of like, Fidel Castro, like he's had a couple great accomplishments, but like in terms of like outweighing like the pros and the cons, the cons definitely are like fifty times heavier than what good he did. For the, for the nation and stuff uh, like that. Sorry, just to chime in very quickly. I got some stats on the literacy thing I mentioned earlier. It was uh, 
between 60 and 76 percent, and in two years they managed to raise it to 96 percent. So that's, that's good. What I wanted to so, add. um, to what you said, mm -hmm. Daniel, you said that he was a revolutionary. Um, someone of very political importance by the name of Justin Trudeau also, <laughs> also said that. And so that was part of his statement regarding the death yeah. of Castro. Now everybody on all my social media is going to label me as like this <laughs> terrible person. Who but but what do you life. make of that? Because social media was not having it. So Social media was not having the fact first that First it started off like this. Like, what, is it, what does it mean to be a great revolutionary? What does it mean to be a great leader? A great leader is somebody who is able to stir up the people and is able to enact social reform and change. Is that not true? Can yeah, yeah, agree no, upon no, that? for sure, for sure. If we're not, we're, if, if I'm not, like, I do have a little bit of bias in it, I don't like Castro and stuff like that, and I have a couple Cuban friends that do not agree with what he's done in the, like, in the nation. But if, like, it's just, use a, a like, a non-partisan lens or a non, like, without any personal views. Castro had an objective that was to overthrow the government, and because he saw the government was exploiting all these poor people, he thought he could do a better job. Maybe he did, maybe he didn't. We're not going to argue that right now. But he did his objective. He was able to enact a complete revolution in Cuba. That means he's a great revolutionary. You could say the same thing about Augusto Pinochet. Exactly. You could. You, <laughs> like, you imagine, could. imagine just, you know, uh, you Phil? could say the same thing about Adolf Hitler. <laughs> Phil yeah, Castro. We're talking about a great leader. Mm. Hitler is somebody who's able to bring Germany from the ashes of World War mm. One. Mm. It was a complete um, destroyed nation. It was like mm. super, it was a super inflation. What was yeah, it? Yeah. What was it called? It was, it was like 20, it was super inflation, like 20 million, uh, Reich, uh, Reich Smarts or something yeah. like that. Uh, Reich Marks. Reich Marks to uh, to the to the dollar. Yeah, <laughs> it was crazy. So like, it would, you'd have to have like what was it, like a million marks to buy a loaf to buy a loaf of bread. It was, was so bad that you could actually burn your money and sell the ash yeah. for more money than what the actual money. It was cheaper and, than buying paper itself. Yeah. So people and Hitler was for paper. And so the point being, Hitler was able to take what the shady country that was like, that was Germany at the time after yeah, that. It was yeah. And he brought it to being superpower for the 40s and 50s. That makes him a great revolutionary. That makes mm -hmm. him a great leader. Now, and the same thing is said for Castro. Absolutely. So, ironically, Fidel Castro... Do I um, agree with him? No, but that's not what I'm talking... He, he died on Augusto Pinochet's birthday, uh, which <laughs> I, I think is funny because I think Augusto Pinochet and uh, Fidel Castro are exactly mirror images of each other. One is the neoliberal, ultra-capitalist, uh, almost libertarian, actually that's completely inaccurate, neoliberal capitalist dictator. And the other is the communist, well, well um, the left-wing communist dictator. And, uh, you know, they were both, uh, there was an overlap in their regimes. And um, I think that uh, it's kind of like the... Is anyone a, a comic book fan? Because I'm trying Little to remember. Depend, depends on what you say. When Superman goes to that other world and he meets like other Superman. You mean like Earth 52 and stuff <laughs> yeah. like that? Like evil Superman, you know? Oh, okay. Like Bizarro? I, Bizarro I, I, world, yeah. Oh, Bizarro world. <laughs> Augusto. <laughs> I think I think Augusto Pinochet is the Bizarro world it. version of Fidel Castro. Wait, you don't know the comics? No, I'm not really into it. Um, Adam, no? But, uh, yeah, 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 so it's Bizarro world. So, yeah. uh, Anyway, that's not my point, but imagine if Justin Trudeau had said, you know, on that day, happy birthday, Gusto Pinochet, you were a great <laughs> leader, um, what you did for the people of Chile was remarkable, and I'm Inspiring. so glad to have had you as a friend. You know, it's funny, because Twitter mocked him that way, I don't know if you saw yeah, it. No, I did. Yeah, no, I said, Trudeau eulogies? Yeah. 
was so funny. It was like, you what, know... What was it? Give me an example. Like? It was like Joseph Stalin, a great revolutionary, very efficient genocide of the Ukrainian people. He will be remembered as a, <laughs> as, a, as, a, as a revolutionary. Uh, and, and a good, and a good um, reduction of carbon emissions or something because of the, of the, the killing of the... And the reduction of obesity. But reduction see, of obesity. But see, like, using, the, using that Twitter hashtag, we know it's satire. Yeah. But... I feel like no matter what anybody says, you got to take it with a grain of salt. Yeah, so yeah. what Trudeau said, like, it's... Look, I... Okay. It's not the worst thing in the world I he know. said. The thing... Okay, I, I have two points to my statement here. One, um, the thing with, with leaders, there are leaders all over the world that have, you know, have done very, very much good for their people, but a lot of bad. You want to look at Saddam Hussein. Saddam Hussein gassed 5,000 Kurds. Point blank, end of story. He did it. But he did have one of the greatest social health care plans in the Middle East. You want to look at Gaddafi. Gaddafi, you know, turn a leader. Oh, excuse me. Turn a leader. Um, uh, a terrible human being. Completely almost negligent to, to the, the, the female anatomy. He had this book called The Green Book. And he explained uh, the menstrual cycle by saying that once a week women get sick. For, once a month women get sick for a week. <laughs> Oh my God! And uh, in that regard, we should leave them alone and leave them to their to their blood and whatever. Okay. Um, he did, however, have a push for home um, for home ownership. He gave a credit to every first time home buyer. He gave a credit to every first child birth. Uh, every first child birth. He could, he did have. It was it, Libya was not the the tribal sort of. Um, People painted as if it was always was a war torn country yeah, when it, it was wasn't not like always that. a war torn country. It was it was a wall of of of, uh, of it was a barrier to Europe from from Central African migrants. It was it was a it was a, a good place to be. You want to look at Afghanistan. Afghanistan was uh, was if you look at pictures of Afghanistan before the Russian invasion, Afghanistan was it was also a good place to be. Um, Maybe like on the yeah. verge of becoming fully developed yeah. countries. Yeah, yeah. Abdel Nasser, the the first uh, president of Egypt. I no, I don't think he's the first, but he's the first sort of real leader in 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 Egypt. He nationalized the Suez Canal and uh, created a lot of uproar. Hugo Chavez kept Venezuelan oil in Venezuela mm -hmm. and uh, removed it. Reduced the price. Exploited, but yeah, the also, prices there were ridiculously low. Well yeah, there also there also was a lot of problems in Venezuela with with hunger and food shortages and poverty and whatnot. And another thing, like so, to to conclude the first part of that, like that was my first part to conclude that it was you have to you know you pick and choose with with leaders that you support. You know, you want to look at even Barack Obama. Barack Obama, everybody loves Barack Obama, but he's leading seven drone campaigns right now all over the world, and he's killing innocent people. Yeah, people, people paint Obama as if like he's yeah. like, oh, look at he, him. the he best politician ever. He did a video with like BuzzFeed. Look at him, you know, yep. dumping, yep. dumping a cookie too big for the cup. You know, thanks, Obama. Funny stuff. But he killed 300 people in, in 300 innocent people in Pakistan with a drone. You have to, you can't. You need to, like, everybody has idols. Everybody has people they look up to. Everybody has, when you, when you want to build a vision of yourself as a leader, if you want to go into that, everybody looks at someone mm -hmm. that they look right. up to. I'm not necessarily saying I look up to Fidel Castro, but he did do a lot of good for the Cuban people. Quickly, to finish off my second point, Tr Justin Trudeau, I think, personally, has done a very good job at detaching himself from his father. I think that... He, from the beginning, he wanted to sort of distance himself, other than a, 
that brief um, letter that he wrote to a guy next to him on the plane and said, just watch me, when he asked him how uh, he's going to defeat Harper <laughs> in the next election. Yeah. I think that he's always tried to stay distant. There have been, people have been hounding him with like, oh, look at this video of your dad. What do you think of it? He's like, oh, it's nice. Like, I remember Peter Mansbridge did an interview with him about um, this picture that he's holding Justin Trudeau like a suitcase as a child. And this uh, there's a soldier saluting to him as uh, he's walking with... Um, with his dad, or not walking, being carried by his dad, and they asked him, "What did he think of that?" He's like, "Oh, it's very, it's very sweet." That's all he said. Um, I think that he's done well, but I think for this brief moment, Pierre Trudeau and Fidel Castro were great friends. And that's why he has. That's why he expressed think, those particular think, opinions. Yeah, and I think that he had an obligation, as as the son of Pierre Trudeau and as the the new kind of chair of the of the Trudeau administration, like the second Trudeau administration, I think that he had every right to um, to do what he did. He was a great revolutionary. He he was a great leader, and it's and that's contested, and it's and it's it's okay for him to be on one side. You know, there there was a there was a small backlash, but there was a but there was also a large uproar. I mean, there was a small so there was a small uproar, but also a large amount of support. People supported him. He, he, he died. He's dead. You know, regardless of what you think, he was the, the idol of a lot of Cuban people. You can say the same for Kim Jong-il when he died. And a lot of North Koreans cried for him. We, you know, what is he doing? He's leading a nuclear program. So um, I think he was right to do that. It's all propaganda, though. There's a certain level. Yeah, I yeah. know. But yeah. uh, to the people, um, yeah, exactly. it's not propaganda. It's, it's what they know. Mm -hmm. So... Yeah. And that's exactly. See, there's a certain level of like, nationalism towards uh, exactly. anybody, towards all of these countries and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Me, I, I like the idea of like patriotism and everything, but it's whatever. I think like Marshall made a nice joke saying how like with the there was going to be an amendment to the Ryerson's constitution. We'll just use constitution for that. That we're going to have to do the Canadian sing the Canadian anthem every time at nine a.m. I, I know. I wasn't joking. No, you can see he's, see he's lying to okay, me now. No, so I was joking that it passed. So there was uh, at the general meeting. There was a, uh, Which will be discussed uh, later on in the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but there was, a, there was a possible motion to have the national anthem played every day at school. Oh, and I'd like that. I was, I was joking with Daniel that it passed and that we had to sing it, that we were required to sing <laughs> see, it. See, because I wasn't paying attention, so I'm like, okay, why not? Sure, I guess. But it, back, back to what I was actually trying to say with my point is like, that level of patriotism. Even here, Canadians, like everyone here is, should be patriotic yeah. in their own way. I don't feel like you should be compelled to, no. but I think that, like, in example, like, the Cuban people and like North Korean people, I guess too. The level of like patriotism there is unprecedented, yeah. and that's why people who like are that are in the nation they feel so strongly about Fidel Castro, or they feel so strongly about uh, King John Young. Right? I cannot believe I'm about to quote this person right now, but in the words of Jesse Ventura, <laughs> <laughs> patriotism is earned, and I think that Fidel Castro, amongst all his 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 faults and backlashes, he earned the patriotism of the Cuban people. Just so our viewers know, could you explain who Jesse Ventura is? I, I, can, I can give her a go if you don't. He's probably one of the most credible people like, on the planet, <laughs> I think. He's the governor of Minnesota, but before that... What? Was he, yeah, a former former governor. Oh, okay. Former governor of Minnesota. Like, oh my god. Um, was he a wrestler? Yeah. He was yeah. a wrestler. Pro and football an, player. Yeah, pro football player. He's also a 9-11 truther, I believe. He believes that 9-11 was an inside job. He's a very conspiracy theorist guy. Um, he was the former governor of Minnesota. Has a couple of TV shows I, explaining about those conspiracy theories. Yeah, probably. Um, I think that uh, no, this uh, the quote that I uh, that I'm saying came from an interview uh, with 
not an interview, but uh, yeah, an interview about Colin Kaepernick. Mm-hmm. And people were saying that Colin Kaepernick is anti-American, unpatriotic. Oh man! And um, or it's just like that new thing right there, where they're saying they're going to charge people for two years in jail. Yeah, um, for, for burning, burning yeah, an American burning flag. flag. Like that's, I mean, like, I don't think like I don't care how pissed I am at the government. I don't think me burning a Canadian flag, like, I don't think I'd be compelled to do Aren't that. Aren't there like, laws in Canada, though? You can't yeah, I don't think, flag. I don't think in Canada you can burn a Canadian flag. Yeah, Canada, you can't. In Canada, you can burn a flag. Oh, well, I'm saying you can't. You can't deface you can't a flag, though. You, you can. You can't. Um, because cause I remember this one time we, we, we got a flag for somebody because they were leaving. Uh, they were leaving the country. It? Yeah, and we all signed it. And, and, you know, people I was working for, they were really concerned. They're like, how is she going to get through airport security? So I'm, pre- you I'm pretty sure. You can't display a defaced flag. But you can deface a flag. Okay, that, that makes sense. But see, like, an example, like, even the idea of defacing a flag is its own it political statement. Un- mm-hmm. yeah. But, I mean, if, if you want to do it, I guess, go ahead. No, you can, you can yeah. even take that back to, to Vietnam, the Vietnam or the Vietnam War. Where, mm-hmm. um, back in Nam. Back in Nam. Good morning, Vietnam. Vietnam. <laughs> <laughs> where people were burning their, their draft cards. Mm-hmm. And they were burning the American flag and they were defacing the American flag. You can even take it back to that. Um, Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I think <laughs> a flag burning. I think it's um, it's silly. It's it's, it's it is it's a little silly. It's harsh. It's very very it's harsh. Just, I, I do think I, that uh, I feel it's a very extreme like way of trying to. It doesn't accomplish people, anything. People fought. Yeah. People fought, fought so you can wave that flag. Yeah. yeah. I don't want to be that person. You know, you know, the troops died for us. I don't want to mm-hmm. be that guy. But it's true. But it's true. You know. They, you know. they did, and it's it's just yeah, yeah. Don't, you have you have the right to do it, but why would you? Is the question. Like I don't agree. I don't agree with like wars or like maybe like like I sure as hell don't agree with like any type of American intervention in another country yeah, and stuff like that. It yeah, never ends well. Like, but in terms of like yeah, yeah, war is never gonna end well and stuff like that. It's war always problematic. Ends. It's gonna cause way too much diplomatic problems yeah. and stuff like that. But I guess sometimes war is necessary and it's justified, right? Mm-hmm. And. I know, like, we're here all nice in our comfortable little chairs in this room in the studio and stuff like that. But if there was any, like, Canadian peacekeepers, like, in, in Aleppo or in, like, any part of the Middle East or stuff like that, right? We, we will never understand the issues and the struggles that they're going to face. And you have to, like, respect that and stuff like yeah. that. It's going to be a huge... Uh, I have a couple of friends that are, like, in, like, yeah. military and Navy, all that I stuff. Yeah, me too. Yeah, and, like, yeah. good be, on you, man. Yeah. You, you did it. There's going to be a huge deployment of uh, peacekeepers to uh, Mali, I believe. Oh, okay. And I I support these troops. I feel for these troops, uh, regardless of whether or not they're they're there to fight and they're there to keep peace. Peace is the most important thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I will like, you know, historically myself, I've been very anti-war. I've been very disrespectful towards veterans, and I'm very cringeworthy. Yeah, I've See, that's a problem. I have my own history with that. I'm very cringy <laughs> at myself for that. Yeah. And I remember it was corrected because one time I was in a Tim Hortons, mm-hmm. and a guy in full uniform walked in, and he, and he had the badges. He had the, the pur- what is it, in Canada? Not the Purple Heart. I'm not sure what the Canadian... Um, the equivalent? I don't know what the equivalent is, but he had... The Victoria Cross, maybe? V- thank you. Is that Victoria, it? Well, the Victoria Cross... Uh, you know Something what? I don't like know. that. I don't want to... A very well-respected yeah, honor given from the Canadian military. Ass, but he had his tours uh, stitched in on his uniform in, in Kandahar in Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. And I froze. And I was sitting in Tim Hortons. It was full. And there was one table. Like, I was sitting on the table alone. And I got up. And I'm like, you can take the table. And he looked at me, and he's like, thank you. And I said, thank you for your service. And I walked out, like, shaking. <laughs> and this is me, you know, you know, veterans, you know. You just saw They're contributing to the discourse. Yeah. Oh. And then I saw this guy, and I'm like, <laughs> and I just kind of, 
mm-hmm. froze. I get that. And from that moment on, I I had such a, a new sort of born again respect for for Canada and the flag. And why while I may not support war, these these people are. are <laughs> more brave than I'll ever be. Yeah, that's so. a that's a great attitude to have. I, I feel yeah. that very much as well. Like, as a you know, you guys know, I was a big anarcho-communist yeah. as a kid. I was a big <laughs> like. Yeah, yeah, I was, I was a big like <laughs> f the troops kind of guy. Oh, that's, like, that's a good song. You know, no, that's that's ridiculous because oh, nobody likes war. Well, <laughs> that's not, not, not nobody. Well, most people like don't like war. Yeah. Um, nobody likes the idea <laughs> of going into battle. But either way, either way, regardless, I think. Um, you have an obligation to support the troops, and I don't like to use the term obligation because I don't like to think anybody's an obligation to do anything, but I do think that it's just, you should. I I can't think of a stronger word to use than you should, but... You should feel compelled. You should, yeah, you should feel as though you have to support the troops. You don't have to, but you should feel as though you have to. I I, I agree with that statement. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, the same with with your country. Uh, I think it's a great point that patriotism is earned. I think... I, I'm not sure if I necessarily agree with that. I, I kind of want to say that patriotism, in most cases, is is default. However, I think that... Almost entitled, in a sense? Or? Uh, it, it's default to a point. Like It's yeah. default until you become socially aware. Like At some point, you can choose whether mm. or not to be patriotic. As a young kid, I don't think any first grader will be like, no, I will not wear this flag. Yeah. Or I will not stand for the national anthem. I'll take a knee at the national anthem. Yeah, but for me, like as a little kid, I, I was like, okay, like whatever. like. But yeah. like I didn't like, care. I didn't care. No, but I did care when I would hear I felt nice, but like, I didn't yeah. care. The only times I'd actually feel really nice and amazing and... I it kind of like I forgot about it for a moment. But, like whenever I go to like a sports thing, yeah, that's what I was like, just gonna say. Or, like I, when I go see the Raptors, or when I go see yeah. TFC, or something like, like that. I was like, the happiest thirteen-year-old kid when we won the twenty ten. Uh, oh, I was crazy! Olympics. I was crazy. Yeah, and was those are those are beautiful moments of patriotism. Yeah. Yeah, and stuff absolutely, like that. and you know, I think that uh, patriotism. When Angela passed at the Crosby for that game-winning yeah. shot, like that's exactly patriotism can be. Uh, undeserved I think um, in cases like Colin Kaepernick Colin Kaepernick you know he has he has every right to take a a knee for the anthem he has every right to take a knee for the national anthem however in the words of the dead Kennedys I think he needs a holiday in Cambodia or rather (laughs) that's a great song a holiday in in Cuba a holiday in Venezuela Venezuela Um, because you know again every right to do that it's just ridiculous you know (laughs) yeah that's what Jesse Ventura was saying. Yeah. I can't believe I'm saying it again. That's what Jesse Ventura was saying. He was like, I don't agree with what he's doing, mm-hmm. but I, I agree with his right to do it. Yeah. He was talking about how um, in Minnesota, there was a, a move in the Minnesotan uh, Senate to pass a bill requiring everybody to stand for the Pledge of Allegiance. And if you didn't stand, you would be fined or reprimanded somehow. And he, and he vetoed it immediately. Mm-hmm. Because he didn't believe that you know we should be forced to be patriotic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. The problem with Cuba, relating it back to our right. topic of discussion, the problem with Cuba is that with every communist govern- government, with every government that's not so buddy-buddy with the U.S., there's no cooperation in terms of how we know how Cubans live. The only sentiment that I know that I can find about how Cubans live is from Cubans in exile, Cubans that have left. Um, so but but see, like, re- using, like, t- that's what I'm saying like with my friends like, that I know they're Cubans, stuff like that, yeah. you kind of, like, I feel like you're forced to like 
take mm-hmm. their opinions like and I would base them as fact. Yeah. Like they would experience stuff like that. If like you yeah, if you were like It's like the truth about what Great Cuba is. Exactly. If you were so in such in such, you know, in destitute to to get on a on a on a boat and leave. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and leave in, in, in treacherous waters. It's not it's mm-hmm. not a, it's not a Lake Ontario to, to go to be from Cuba to, to Miami or yeah, you can't just have your photos go. Yeah, you can't just, yeah. <laughs> you can't doggy paddle. It's mm-hmm. not gonna work. If you were able to do that then then you must really hate Cuba. So I think that, you know, that that's said, that says a lot for Cubans and, and, and Cuban society. Absolutely, and you know, I see all this malarkey from uh, my malarkey. my malarkey. comrades <laughs> from nice. my comrades over at uh, Socialist Fight Back and such. Um, and you know, people, I, I see so many people saying, "You only think Castro is bad because of the American propaganda." No, 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 no. That is the exact opposite. Terrible of the case. argument for your case, that, right there. That is the exact opposite of the case. We have made communism trendy. We have made it. A cool thing to wear the millennials have yeah. communism. Like, oh, do you want exactly. do you want everybody to have like oh if we had a society and we all had a hundred dollars a week and every single person had a hundred dollars would you be cool with that? It's yeah, communism. that's communism, bro. It's a cool oh, I guess thing I'm a to wear the CCCP to yeah. wave the hammer and sickle to yeah. um, that's be, an amazing symbol the to, hammer and sickle because uh, uh, like hard work, dedication, yeah. and labor to for the be fruit of like the Blair Academy, I'm not sure if that's the, the right name of the school, to be a Upper Canada College, North Toronto graduate who lives in a $600,000 condo going, oh, I identify so much with the poor of the city. <laughs> if only, if only I could live in St. Jamestown and, and live with those people, but I can't because I love my $600,000 condo. Um, but trust me, I know what it's like to be poor. Trust I, me. I, I feel for the Jane. If only yeah. I feel for Jane. If only I could live in Cuba under Castro instead of under yeah. uh, think, Kim Kardashian Trudeau here. See, like, I like to talk. Like I like to talk. <laughs> oh my God, you're losing my train of thought. But that's that's really that was really well spoken, man. Like Thank that. you. Um, in terms of like quality of like I, you brought up some like amazing like stats in terms of like and like facts yeah. of like what Castro's done for the society like in terms of like the literacy rate and everything like that but what I'm backing to like what a Cuban exile is as a form of garnering new information about the actual Cubans like that's the best place for I think for information experience like, from Cuban exiles um and one, one of the I'm somewhat close to explains how like was it, like, think about it I'm like okay why are you here like why like, Cuba like Cuba's communism right so okay maybe everyone's equal and stuff like that it's like yeah everyone's equal but equally poor and that's the problem that's what I was saying it's yeah. the same the same type of thing that happens within aristocracy like with the exploitation of the poor and all the paupers and everything yeah. um, and only like the control from the few that's exactly what's happened in the Cuban state yeah. the Castro the Castro family and everybody in there has complete power and the military is using it to coerce the like the poor and doing their bidding and stuff like that. See, that's what I was saying. Like, you know, the, Karl, Karl Marx understood himself that there's no better generation above money than capitalism. Mm-hmm. So if you're if you're poor, if you share zero, you'll still have zero amongst every every person. Um, you know, the uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm still laughing about what Marshall said. Yeah, not not laughing at what he said, but I, laughing about I his feel, presentation. I feel. Yeah, it's a very um, good presentation. I think. 
the the idea of, of communism and the idea of you know the I'm gonna I'm gonna say the cliche here the you know communism good idea on paper bad idea in practice communism is is I think what everybody should should you know should strive for everybody is equal but there is no such thing as equality for me in in in, in what I believe I think that. You know, by that you mean like in a state with no, the people? Or no, in, in terms of the idea of equality is giving everybody the same, right? Yeah, there's a difference between equality and equity, right? Yeah, mm -hmm. but not everybody needs the same as the next guy. I don't need the same amount of, of anything. Uh, or, or let's say, okay, I don't need the same amount of... Hmm, I don't need the same amount of sunglasses as Elliot. Oh, that's true, that's true. Sorry, I saw the sunglasses on yeah. his... Uh, I love my shades, seat. hold on. These are, my friends call them my trigger shades, so. There we go. I'll do the rest what's the, of the What's like the this. rumbling sound like when the trigger thing, the boom, whatever. Yeah. yeah. Triggering intensifies. Oh. Yeah. Triggering intensifies. So, I don't need the same amount of sunglasses as Elliot. He doesn't need the same amount of, of uh, I don't know, physiotherapy as me. Yeah, I know it's a very kind of... You don't need the same amount of hair gel as I do. I don't need I the do. same amount of hair gel as you do. You don't need the same amount of, I don't know, jeans as I do. I, don't I mean, I wear jeans a lot, man. So uh, your uh, argument's completely okay, invalid okay, now. Okay, okay, okay. Well, you know what I'm getting at. <laughs> right? Of course, I do, I do. And, you know, in any anywhere you go, there are going to be the rich, there's going to be the poor, <laughs> um, the middle class. Uh, for a different discussion, I don't believe there's anything, there's no such thing as the middle class. Middle class is very subjective in terms of where you live and how much you make. Mm -hmm. But... It's such a broad term. It's a yeah. very, very broad term, and I think it's actually made up by politicians when they want to pander yeah. to the largest majority of people when they say, you know, we support the middle class. Okay, who's the middle I class? I support everybody who's aged <laughs> 21 to yeah. 65. Yeah. That's the majority of the that's population. Who I vote. That's, who, that's who my voters are. Um, you know, communism is can work if... Well, you know what? I don't think it can work, but in, in theory it can. In theory, yeah. And the people that support communism, a lot of the communist millennials, they support communism just because they've read the manifesto. Manifesto is a good document. I read the manifesto in my history class. Maybe because I'm left-wing, I like the document. The communist manifesto, in short, and it's a very long document, and don't quote me on anything I say because it's a very short summary, the communist manifesto, in a sense, says abolish private property, um, you know, remove wealth from, from the bourgeoisie, which is the... The ruling class. The ruling class, and, and, and give power and wealth to the proletariat, uh, yeah, to the proletariat, mm -hmm. which is the, the hard-working, you know, low-wage people. And I think that, you know, especially in America, I, I know that, geez, I know there is a problem here in Canada with, with wealth inequality. I know that, but it's so much more defined and outlined in America. You, you know, the cycle, the cycle of, of, of uh, poverty in America is so much harder to escape than in Canada. I, I think, I hope. Um, and I think that, you know, in communism, if everybody's in poverty, then no one's in poverty. And the That's thing is... That's a good point, actually. Accurate. And I know that it's, it's very, you know, you're looking at me and you're like, yeah. okay, but people are still poor. But if, it, it, it's, equal, it's, equal, it's equal poverty. And, and people in Cuba, they're not necessarily unhappy. My mom went to Cuba, and she did a whole, like, she left the, the place that she was staying at. She did a whole tour of Cuba, and, and she said people were happy. They were living in, in, in huts, in over-glorified huts, but they were happy. And I think that that says a lot for communism, because you don't necessarily need money to be happy. Yeah, and That's now, a good point, yeah. I, I've always felt the whole, it works on paper, um, but it's like an endless cycle of capitalism is, as well. I've never felt that that's, that that's necessarily accurate. I, um... 
I'll, I'll finish up quickly, but, uh, you know, I, I think that communism, on paper, in theory, it requires the limitation of freedom. It requires uh, repression of freedoms and liberties, and it requires uh, uh, transgression on people's natural negative rights. And that's what I really just can't stand about it. So, um, I did have a... That was a phenomenal discussion. I did have a bunch more uh, questions ready to ask, but just the last question I'm going to ask before we move on to the RSU issue, what does the future of Cuba look like now that Fidel has died? In just a few a few short sentences. Well, I think that, um, you know, before even Fidel was dead, there was this whole new uh, opening of the door between the U.S. and Cuba. This happened at the, towards the end of the Obama administration that, you know, Cuba might be sort of laxing the, the rules of travel. Uh, quickly, um, we're living now in a world where all the revolutionaries are dying. Shimon Peres, the last founder of Israel, just died. Um, Pinochet died a few years ago. The leader of... The Chavez. Chavez died a few years ago. The leader of the PLO, the Palestinian Liberation Organization, died a few years ago. Mm-hmm. We're living in, in this decade where all the revolutionaries are dying. And all the younger generations, and even our parents' generations, can't identify with revolutions that have happened. Yeah, it's too far gone. It's too far gone. It's too far away. So far gone, it drinks it. (laughs) Sorry. My mom was, my mom, like, my grandparents were 10 years old when Israel was founded. Mm -hmm. They cannot so much identify with with the founding of Israel and how hard it was to to get Israel to where it is to be. You know, we're, we're sort of ending this whole passion and, and, and drive that, you know, our, our predecessors have had to, to freedom. Yeah, absolutely. Because we have freedom. We, we've done it. We've got it. Yeah. And I think, you know, come 10, 15 years from now, maybe Cuba will have a general election. Uh, Raul Castro, um, I can't verify this, but he announced that he'd be stepping down. Really? In a few years. Wow. You know, it's the end of the I mean, Castro dynasty. How old is he? Isn't he like... He's like 86. He's like 86. Yeah, well, um, Castro was 90, right? So yeah. Crazy. The emperor of Japan, Emperor Akira. I think it's Emperor Akira. Yep. He is announcing that he's stepping down. We're ending this. I know that the emperor in Japan is very much symbolic. Like mm-hmm. in, in, in Completely. 100% symbolic. But it's 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 the symbolism of that. We're ending the, the imperialism. We're ending the... The revolution. We're going into a new age We're of politics. We're going into a new state. age yeah. of, of slow growth, of just cruising, and I think that that's what's in store for Cuba and, and the rest of the world. Now, I, I would like to uh, be a bit more pessimistic, unfortunately. I think that things are going to get worse for Cuba. I think that the... Um, well, I really hope it, they don't, but I think that this is going to lead to some American businesses going over to Cuba, um, moving, just like getting rid of all the Cuban businesses, and just bringing business out of the States as well, bringing business out of Canada. Uh, it's going to be worse for every party involved. Um, I'm more scared. Like, I, I agree with uh, what Marshall said. How like he was not going to be like. It's not like now. Like, oh, we're going to have. It's going to become a completely new progressive new nation. I don't think that's going to happen at all. But I'd like to see that. I'd like to see an election Absolutely. happen. That'd be cool. Uh, but in terms of what I'm seeing, like, and you're also talking how it's like the end of revolutionaries. I would not be surprised if in the next 15 to 20 years, maybe, I don't know, actually, I don't know, it depends how long. I wouldn't be surprised if there's like another revolution who want, basically sees everything that happened with uh, Castro and stuff like that, and wants to bring down that regime, I guess we can use that term, and instill like, maybe its own democracy, like it's full on democracy that's like not it, with so much control mm-hmm. with the military, maybe. So, that was a great, great discussion, guys. Um, and now I want to just briefly mention for the last 
three minutes what happened at the RSU annual general meeting. Marshall, you were there, um, and would you like to yeah, quickly so what an mention? Awful, what an awful bureaucratic mess that was. Basically, we spent two hours voting on the agenda um, in what order things would be voted on. We talked about uh, in, uh, uh, pro-life uh, uh, protesters being banned from campus and the RSU taking an official pro-choice stance. I went up and spoke. Um, I said, uh, you know, I don't think our school should take an official stance on the matter. It's exclusionary. Uh, I became public enemy number one after that. So, <laughs> oh my God. so did uh, one of my one of my friends. Um, we were both booed. Um, nasty really? business. Yep. Boo white people. So then um, after some of that was uh, <laughs> after some of that happened, we moved on to a Holocaust Awareness Week motion. Oh uh, yeah. Um, I had actually left and stepped out for a bit because I was hungry, but I came back. And, uh, the place. Hunger was, is uh, you know food is important. Or was, is that, was it in pod? Was it in no, pod? No, it was in the library. In library. The place was in chaos. Oh, okay. um, True. And people were yelling at each other, and they were trying to amend it to make it more inclusive because the Holocaust isn't inclusive. And, you know, my thing about that is, you're right, the Holocaust isn't inclusive. Not everything has to be. I'm sorry, stop being a child and let somebody else do their thing. You don't have to be included in everything. That's like justifying Preach. black... That's like justifying... Like, that's like justifying, like, maybe if we had, like, a bigger, like, uh, Black History Month awareness yeah, thing yeah. or something like that, and be like, oh, we need to be more inclusive, we need to include uh, Latino people month. and, like, Asian people. It's like, oh, but just Racism Month instead. The Holocaust what? was so terrible because it was not inclusive. If the Holocaust were inclusive yeah. of everybody... I think it would have been much less of a tragedy yeah. um, if everybody were getting killed, every single group were getting yeah, killed. Yeah, regardless of what you um, were, right? You know what? People forget that a lot of other people died in these concentration yeah, camps. Six of million Jews, five million others, gypsies, Romas, dis disabled, gay, people, gay people, black people. And, black people. and the, whole, the whole thing is just about the Holocaust in general. Obvious, uh, the, you know, the show up. It, it, like, it'll obviously m talk about how six million Jews were killed, but it'll also mention the five mi million people that you just mentioned. Mm -hmm. And so um, the, the, the uh, amendment was what? what uh, like, so what, what was the, the idea was that we would have a, um, a, uh, a week dedicated to kind of uh, educating people about the Holocaust, what happened during the Holocaust, and what that means for the future, um, and why Zionism is not something to be afraid of. Um, and during that week, this is not something I agreed with, but uh, during that week there was to be no anti-Zionist um, uh, material around school. I, I didn't necessarily agree with that. I, I liked it, but I didn't agree with it fundamentally. Uh, so then I saw some displays of anti-Semitism. Uh, MSA was there. Uh, J, uh, J, MSA? Yeah, SJP MSA is there. Muslim Student Association. Uh, SJP's Students for Justice in Palestine. Uh, they uh, a, lot, a lot of mudslinging from from them, unfortunately. And I'm not trying to uh, call them out as groups. I, actually, I am trying to call them out as. <laughs> well, no. After it's, there's some know. certain individuals. Um, and yeah, but you can't well, pay, you, you can't pay everybody exactly, to be exactly, the same. exactly. That's what, what they I mean. I that. do. You want to mention yeah, uh, the so, walkout uh, that they that a, they did um, a walkout which is performed by those two appalling groups. Appalling to me. Because for those uh, for those events, for the RSU uh, general meetings, you need to have at any given time 100 people in the room at all times so that you can have what's called quorum, where you can actually reach a fair agreement. Oh, is that why they suspended it early? Because quorum wasn't... They ended, they ended it early because uh, there was a walkout from the MSA and the SJP. Um, and there was... Um, yeah, I apologize. I'll just finish up. I just saw a lot of anti-Semitism. There was um, one student said to another it's student just... that uh, anti-Semitism is not a real form of discrimination. Um, and yeah, it was, uh, it was quite appalling. Yeah. Um, it's just pretty messed up. Yeah. It, it's okay. The, the walkout itself, 
blatant anti-Semitism. That's what it is, okay? It's blatant anti-Semitism. It was against the Jewish people. It was against this motion um, that didn't even relate to Israel. It was yeah. just about Holocaust, not even just Jewish people. So you know what? There's, when yeah, you, there's two different they ways made to it attack less it. inclusive. You know, that's what they for, did. Okay, for the for the for the people that identify with the Palestinian cause and with Palestinian nationalism, for those people that say that they don't have a problem with Jews, they have a problem with Israel. What about this? I think mm -hmm. it's a very yeah exactly I very think good that point. This is you know an example that you do you might have a problem with with the Jewish people. I'm not going to say that you do, but you might. Um, just very, very quickly, I'll, I'll say this in 30 seconds. Yeah. The Holocaust does not mean that things like the Armenian Genocide, the Ukrainian Genocide, and the Rwanda Genocide didn't happen. Mm -hmm. It does not mean that these aren't any less of, 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 of issues. It does not mean that these are any less of a cause. You know, you need to have a week where you can, you can talk about the worst thing that has happened, mm -hmm. arguably the worst thing that has happened in history. Yes. And I think that's it's very important. There has to be a clear yeah. distinction between being pro-Israel and then being pro-Holocaust sort of or anti-Holocaust. We, we do have to go. We might talk about this issue next episode. We don't know what. We always change ideas. But again, I want to thank everybody for uh, watching and listening. And uh, we'll, uh, we'll see you again next week. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.